0: My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here, and this morning we're coming to the end of the book of Philippians. We've been going through that uh, this whole summer. I've learned a lot. I hope you have too, Um, and it's been a memorable summer for, I think, all of us, Um, but it's been good going through this book together, and we're coming to the end today. So if you open your Bibles up with me to Philippians chapter 4, Verses 10 through 23. Paul gives us kind of his closing remarks of the letter as he thinks back on the church's care for him and how they sent a gift to him. Uh, let's read it together. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray together as we start to look at this text. Father, I just thank you for these letters of Paul. Preserved for so long for us to look back to after 2,000 years. And I thank you for the glimpse of Paul's heart that we see. And that we can learn from. Lord, help me speak with clarity this morning as we look at the ending of this book. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this last passage, Paul brings up his thankfulness for the Philippian church's generosity in sending a gift. They, it seems to be a financial one. And they sent it with Epaphroditus. They didn't have a mail system like we have today. So, especially if you're sending a financial gift, you would send someone with it to make sure it gets to where you wanted it to go. And in Paul's usual style, he takes this opportunity to give us an amazing spiritual principle about contentment and need. He says, I have learned to be content in every circumstance. This is the main idea. Paul closes his letter with contentment in every circumstance. That's what he wants us to come away with. But he says, I have learned to be content in every circumstance. Have you ever thought about contentment in every circumstance as a learned skill for a Christian to master? We talk about so many spiritual disciplines and skills that need to be learned as a Christian matures and grows. And rightly so, prayer. We don't know how to pray naturally. It's something that we learn and develop and mature in over time. Bible study, appropriately handling God's word. That's something you learn, develop. The more you do it, the more you dive into it. Evangelism. Like Rob was just talking about. The first time he went out he was probably nervous beyond belief i bet right but the more he does it he matures in it he gets he gets used to it he learns the skills of evangelism community life together a group living in a group of believers sharing your life together is not easy it's not natural And again, you have to learn. You learn how to be a part of a community group. You learn how to share your life with other people for the sake of the gospel. Do you put contentment in that category? Do you think about or spend time learning and developing the skill of contentment in every circumstance? It's something we don't often think about. But that's what our passage is about today. And here's the good news, Paul gives us the secret of contentment. And probably one of the most misquoted verses that I've ever heard. But first he fills in a little bit. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. Abundance and need. There's an extremely important lesson for us in the way he presents this. And you may have noticed it. Paul presents plenty and hunger, abundance and need as equal challenges. This is so important for us as Americans in 2020. To understand. We so often equate God's blessing in our lives with material possessions or gain. And that could not be further from the perspective of Paul. The biblical perspective is that riches can, not always, but can be very deceptive and dangerous. And it's important for us to understand that. Otherwise, we aren't going to understand what Paul's talking about. He's telling you that you need help through Christ's strength if you live in abundance. Because it won't automatically bring about contentment. Which is kind of hard for us to grasp with in our worldview. I'm afraid we've so closely tied material well-being to spiritual well-being, that when we read verses like this, we don't even understand them. Abundance is a danger that could ruin my contentment, it may not be a blessing. So what's his secret? He gives us one line. That, again, is probably one of the most misquoted verses ever. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, here's how we typically use that verse. Oh, I I really want this new job. I'm I'm super nervous about the interview. Oh, it's okay. You can do all things through him who strengthens you. Feeling really sad and dejected, just depressed right now. Oh, cheer, cheer up. You can do all things through him who strengthens you. I have a certification or a, a test or something next week, and I just, I'm not prepared for it. I'm not ready. Oh, it's okay. You can do all things through him who strengthens you. We typically use the verse to mean one of two things. Encouragement to help you overcome an obstacle in your life. Or, just a boost to fuel your confidence to make you think you deserve something. You deserve this. You can do all things through Christ. Now, don't hear me saying when I say that as this verse should not encourage you to overcome obstacles. God uses his word to do crazy things. And there are even times in the Bible where it's quoted and you look back and say, yeah, that's not what they originally meant in the Old Testament when they wrote that verse. But it's used in a certain way. So this verse is encouraging. But Paul did not write, I can do all things through him who strengthens me to give me the courage to try to fly by flapping my arms. All things... Is not that blanket of a statement. What does he mean by all things? What things? And here's where you can see, and it's kind of scary, that we almost take this verse and make it mean the exact opposite of what Paul wanted us to come away with. And we scatter this verse with those meanings, just help you overcome hardship through... What I realize are kind of the three M's memes, mugs, and magnets. Just plastered all over them. We use it as somewhat of a magic incantation to encourage ourselves that we can have anything we want or anything we set our minds to. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the meaning is the opposite. Paul is telling us you don't need anything because you have Christ as your strength. Understanding it the other way only makes Christ a means or a stepping stone to get what you really want. Whereas Paul is telling us that we already have everything we need. Do you see the difference? I really want such and such, or I really want to accomplish this, and I will use Christ to get it because I can do all things through him who strengthens me. How opposite of Paul. I've had plenty, I've had little, I've had feasts, and I've been starving. But in any of of those circumstances, I'm 100% content. I don't need anything. Because my strength and comfort no longer comes from stuff that I have. But from Christ. (laughs) Unbelievable. Do you know where real unstoppable contentment comes from? Letting Christ be your strength and foundation. Not the obstacle that you overcome, not the thing that you really wanted and ended up getting, but Christ. In one, Christ is the center and treasure. In the other, he's simply a means to get what you really want, and that is an ugly way to treat a king especially the king of the universe. So, contentment in every circumstance. As I was thinking about this verse, I've got six observations that I had of what this verse should mean for you in daily life. They're not in any order. Some of them probably even overlap. These are just as they came to me. Here's the first. Christ is your foundation and strength, not your current status or situation. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. We need to learn, this is part of learning contentment, we need to learn to separate our physical circumstances and well-being from how we perceive God is treating us. And this is hard for us in our hashtag blessed culture. So often spiritual health is connected with physical material stability. That's simply not true. If you are poor, or maybe even not as financially stable as you would hope, don't in any way think that God is distancing himself from you. And this is probably going to come more into play as we start coming into the fallout of the COVID-19 shutdowns. The economic impact is something we don't know yet. Peace and contentment is what it means for God to be near you, not stuff. If I look back at my life, I can say that at times when physical need was most prevalent, that's when God felt most present. Not to bring us out of need into abundance but just to give us peace in the need. And that's what it means to be blessed. Christ is your foundation and strength, not your current status or situation. Second one. This is a bigger one. Filled up a slide. God's strengthening presence in your life does not come in the form of material blessing, abundance, or physical stability, but through a spiritual peace and contentment that passes all understanding. Might sound the same as the one before. Like I said, there's a little bit of overlap. But that statement, isn't that freeing? Don't look at your bank account to see how faithful God is. Wealth itself brings a whole host of spiritual challenges. Paul sees abundance as a different set of challenges than poverty. But they still require Christ to have contentment. It's crazy sometimes to think about how we have connected material well being to spiritual well being. When Paul says things like this, I have learned the secret of contentment when I have abundance. Sometimes it doesn't even compute. Doesn't abundance mean you're content, Paul? You can have all the abundance in the world and still not be content with Christ. And that's terrifying. That's the deception of riches. God's strengthening presence in your life does not come in the form of material blessing, abundance, or physical stability, but through a spiritual peace and contentment that passes all understanding. Third one, with Christ's indwelling strength as your lowest possible position, you have freedom to take risks for the sake of love and the gospel. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there and take risks in loving others and sacrificing for them. Through Christ, you have the spiritual power of contentment in all circumstances. And nothing can take that away once you have it. Here again, we see, isn't it interesting how often this verse is used to mean the opposite of this? I can do all things through Christ means I don't need to face obstacles. I can overcome them. He's saying the opposite. I can do all things through Christ means you never have to fear the obstacles. You never have to fear going low. So go low. Sacrifice. We looked at that just about a month ago. He's reinforcing the idea. You have the freedom to sacrifice because you can be content in all circumstances. Number four, developing the skill of contentment should lead to a life that is no longer a roller coaster of emotions being swayed by physical circumstances. Think through your life. How much of your emotional stress is caused by physical things? Mortgage, bills, house projects, vehicles. Through Christ's strength, you can have contentment through them all. And the storms of life no longer make such big waves. There's still waves. For sure. Life is painful for the most part. But it cannot touch your contentment. Next one goes along with it. Fear of missing out. FOMO. Should have no part of your life. fear that you're going to miss out is a powerful force. Makes people do a lot of things. What if this happens? what What if this doesn't happen? What if I miss out on this? If you are content in Christ as your foundation and strength, you're not missing out on anything that you need. That's Paul's point. I'm lacking nothing. I think a huge part of why this is hard for us is because so many of our wants turn into needs because of abundance. Six, the last one. True contentment in Christ gives freedom from the need to control things in and around your life. This is an amazing truth. Contentment and peace are no longer based on your circumstances. So you no longer need to worry about controlling them in order to have a life of calm contentment. Because that comes through Christ. Now, here's the unfortunate part. How do, how do we get this? How do we do it? In our broken world, this would be the time where I say all we need is your credit card number and you'll have access to our online curriculum of 10 easy steps to contentment. But relationships aren't that easy. And that's what it is. A relationship. Between you and Christ. There is no easy checklist. There's no five-step method. It is a deep, committed relationship that brings about this peace. Jesus is already committed to you as evidenced by giving himself for you on the cross. Our role is to pursue him deeply through devotion to his message and his people. And out of that relationship grows peace and contentment that passes all understanding. It takes a whole life. It's learned. There's no quick shortcut. (laughs) But you get it little by little as you grow to know Christ. So that's how Paul closes his letter. And for the last little bit here, as we uh, transition into taking communion. We do that every week here. Communion is for us to remember what Christ has done. And in a bit unusual way, at least for this summer, we're going to have you take it on your own. I'm not going to lead you. But what I'm going to do while you're sitting there is read several passages from Philippians. Just as we end the book just a survey of some of the notable passages that we've been looking at this summer. As I read through them, just close your eyes, listen, and take your communion elements as you feel led. You can do it as I'm reading or during the music after. So just simply listen to Paul's words in Philippians as we close out this book. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now and I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already attained it, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own." Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these words. What a treasure. Lord, help them to stay in our mind. Help us to live them out. Help us devote our lives to them. Help us to work them out together as a community. Lord, just always keep at the forefront of our mind the effect that you have on us. In Jesus' name, amen.